professional amateurs. I'm so glad you asked. And I'll even tell him where, he where I live, like you can come and have dinner with me or something. Off the rails. Hoping to make you look stupid. I want to be unbiased, but I'm not. Shane Wright, Shane Wright. Like how stupid can you be? Sorry, Rude. All right, uncut in three, two, one, go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode... 19? 19? 19? Start over. 19? <laughs> no. Let's roll. 19. Let's roll, baby. Chaos. 19 of professional amateurs. Sorry, we're a little flustered brain. A couple things have happened since last week. Just a couple. We were hoping for some things to talk about. I think we got them. Um, a trade just dropped between the Sens and the Wild. We'll get to that in a bit once it comes a little bit more clear. But it's looking like it's one for one. Um, but let's rewind. Uh, the draft was on Thursday. And uh, a few big things happened Thursday. We can, uh, we'll go in timeline order. So we'll start with the Debrinkat trade to the Sens. Um, Ryan, let us know if anything else crazy happens on Twitter. You can be our insider for the next hour. Debrinkat uh, goes from the Chicago Blackhawks to the Sens in exchange for the seventh overall pick. I believe it was the 39th overall pick and a 2024 third. That's, does that sound right? I think that's right. Um, with the seventh pick, Chicago selected, what was his name? Korczynski? Evan Korczynski. Evan Korczynski. Um, and uh, so Debrinkat has another year left at 6.4. And then after that, he's got a $9 million qualifying offer. So two years of control for Ottawa. Obviously, they'll be looking to keep him around long term, given what they gave up, which uh, seemed like it wasn't even that much. Jack, did you have any initial reaction to the trade? No, I think... Uh... One thing that stood out to me, and we'll get to it later, the Romanov trade too, was teams making these trades when they weren't actually on the clock. Um, it was kind of surprising. Like, if you're going to trade them for the seventh, I would expect Ottawa to be, like, on the clock so they make sure they can get their guy. Uh, but when your guy you want at seven is in everyone else's teams, I guess you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Ryan, how did you feel about the trade? I think uh... – yeah, no, I obviously love it. Me and Mitchell spent like half an hour screaming at each other on the phone about it. Yeah. Um, I just, I one, I never thought the Sens were going to go for this big of a target. Like, I think it was clear that they wanted to upgrade on their additions from past years, which have been absolutely brutal. Um, so I think most Sens fans... Uh, realistically expected a mediocre upgrade like maybe an actual top six forward but they went out and got a bonafide top line player um, who's one 24 years old and two a bonafide 40 goal score in the league now so it's exactly what they needed it's perfect I love it and they gave up nothing for him in my opinion so nothing of like nothing of importance to the Sens I think yeah like no one wants more picks. No one wants more 18-year-olds in the organization. They gave up exactly what they would have wanted to give up for an impact player. Yeah, someone put it like this on Twitter. They were like, they give up fictional characters. It doesn't <laughs> matter to them right now. It's yeah. the summer of Pierre. He won't, he's going all in. What Korchinski turns into for Chicago, I really like, like, as a Sens fan, I could not care less. Because Ottawa and wasn't taking him anyway. Yeah. No disrespect to him, but he's never, ever going to be as valuable as the Brinkett is right now. Oh, no, no shot. Even at his best projection, which is obviously a question mark. Like, a lot of the times you want to get that solidified guy, you already know what it is. Everything else is still question marks. 
And even if he hits as good as anyone projects him to right now, it still would be an unfair trade. Um, Jack, do you buy into the narrative? Um, like a few members of Chicago media, Mark Lazarus being at the forefront at the athletic talked about how he fully disagreed with the idea that you, they should have traded Alex to at since they're going into a rebuild. Cause he's 24 years old. What are your thoughts on that? Because I like, despite like, I understand being upset with the return. I don't think Chicago got nearly enough in exchange for the player, but I think this was the best time to trade him um, going into what looks like it's going to be a long rebuild. Yeah, I think if you really look at Chicago's projections, they're not going to be good in two years. No. And that's the Brinkett's block here. And if you sell them as a rental, you're getting less. Well, even and if you, you also... extend them. Like, I, I think that the, the idea was that um, some members of Chicago media would have wanted to see Chicago extend the guy because so that they can go into the rebuild with a, a centerpiece. I, I don't think 24 is the centerpiece. Like, no. 24 years old right now. They're gonna have to go through the shit for a long time yeah um and i like i'm a full believer in never letting guys walk for nothing like always get value out of something yeah so i do like i think they kind of fucked up the trade they should have gotten more but it was the right time to do it i agree and I, if yeah. you if you wait until he's a rental um you take on that inherent risk of what if he you know snaps his leg or whatever yeah there's no better time to do it in my mind. I agree. Ryan, what do you think from Chicago's perspective? Yeah. Um, well, seeing how long it's taken in Ottawa, like if you're really committing to a scorched earth rebuild, you're committing to five years minimum. Um, yeah. So I definitely get their motivation for moving him out because he's going to be approaching his thirties when, uh, when this team might be competitive again. And, like you said, this is the time when they are going to be getting the most value for him. But the thing is, is they didn't. Like, I, I feel like they got pennies on the dollar for him. Yeah, I uh, like that's the, that's my general I, opinion on the trade is that it, it wasn't the wrong idea to trade the player. I think Chicago should trade to Brinkat going into this season 10 times out of 10. Um, but they significantly underachieved on the trade. I think they could have gotten a lot more. Um, it felt rushed. I think they really rushed the trade. I think they were desperate to get into the top 10 of this draft. Um, and I think about, they went around it the wrong way. Um, we Just to interject for a minute here, sure. um, we don't have to talk about it now, but full details are out. Both teams have announced it. It is Cam Talbot from the Minnesota Wild to the Ottawa Senators for Philip Gustafson one for one. That's crazy. No salary retained either. That really makes no sense to me. For Minnesota? Yeah, for Minnesota. Because, like, they're at best going to get what they just gave up. Like, there's no extra value for that. Uh, the two and a half million in cap space. What's Talbot? Is he a they, three? They are, they are pretty well against Is he the a, cap. What's he, 3.3? 3? He's 3.6. 3.6, okay. So, and what's Gustafson? Like, 900K? Yeah. So they save 2.7 on the cap. That's pretty huge for Minnesota right now. And, and they've got Flurry. So Talbot was probably was going to be their 1B anyway. Someone just said Ottawa now has the two best goalies in Ontario. That is a factual statement. Um, 
Okay, that's also hilarious because, like, why didn't Toronto go try to do yeah, that? Yeah, like, was he not available yesterday? I, I have no idea. That's actually wild. Like, that actually makes Toronto look so bad. Do you guys want to just pivot over to the Matt Murray trade since we're kind of on the topic, or do we want to? Yeah, go for it. Okay, just because it makes more sense as a pivot here. Um, so, obviously, Ryan just let us know the, the trade details. Philip Gustafson for Mac or uh, Cam Talbot. I almost said Max Talbot. Um, yeah. Obviously, relevant to this trade is that Ottawa traded Matt Murray with 25% retained alongside a 2023 third and a 2024 seventh uh, to Toronto in exchange for what will end up being nothing. Um, it was a cap dump. Toronto obviously uh, felt they're not going to be keeping Jack Campbell. Jack Campbell's gone, um, probably to Edmonton. Uh, obviously, Toronto likes the idea of having Matt Murray at 4.7, uh, which is his cap hit for Toronto after the 25% retained. Uh, Toronto was obviously more comfortable with Matt Murray on a two-year 4.7 contract than they would have been keeping Jack Campbell around probably for five years at just a hair above the 4.7. Um, I think it's a huge risk um, for obvious reasons. Matt Murray's had a serious difficult time staying healthy, and when he has been healthy, he hasn't been that good, uh, barring, like, I don't know, a 10 to 15-game stretch last year, which – was then finished off by injury, not the end of the season. Um, uh, Ryan, what did you think of the Matt Murray trade? Um, again, I thought it was a great move by Pierre. Um, unfortunately, it had to undo a not-so-great move of his, but it looks like he's turning over a new leaf and, and recognizing where um, money needs to go out the door here to now bring in players who are going to make this team a winner now. So... Um, it was a move that had to be done. In my opinion, they didn't have to pay a lot to do it. No. So I, I thought it was a no-brainer for the Sens. Uh, and only having to uh, retain 25% is massive. I thought they were going to at least have to do 50% or find a, a 13 to do yeah. 75%. Yep, for sure. Jack, what did you think? No, I think it's a, a pretty big mistake on Toronto's part. Like, I'm a... I'm still a big believer in Matt Murray, and I think he has a good chance to turn it around. Uh, but yeah, the fact that it was only 25%, like I was sitting there refreshing it, like expecting that to not be true. Uh, no, it should have been closer to 75 rather than 25, really. 75, yeah. Well, it wouldn't have been 75. Yeah, it would have been actually. Yeah, my bad. Um, yeah, no, I... Uh, I loved it. Honestly, I thought uh, Ottawa would have to pay a lot more. I'm really surprised Toronto was willing to take him on at 4.7, 4.687, whatever it was. Um, man, I don't like. It really doesn't make sense for Toronto to be paying an unproven goalie that much. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, Do, do we want to talk about the connections? Oh, right. The Matt Murray used to be a Sioux Greyhound with uh, – Kyle Dubas and uh, their yeah, goalie and, coach. Yeah, and now that, yeah, and now they the Leafs have his childhood goalie coach. Oh. It's like, come on. It's so weird. It feels so forced in Toronto right now. Yeah, I talk I about know. forcing. Yeah, talk about forcing a fit. Like, it makes it look so much worse too. Now that Tr Ottawa just turned around and picked up uh, Cam Talbot, like yeah. A straight up goalie upgrade, like no cheaper, yeah. more proven. Yeah, like that's actually while, while you, yeah, while you just went back to it for one second, you want to just quickly hear his stats from last season. 
Cam Talbots. Yeah. Yeah. So last season he posted a record of 32, 12, and four. Oh. Uh, had a goals against average against or goals against average of 2.76 and a save percentage of 9.11. And he was actually an all-star last year. Oh, was he? Yeah. That's pretty sweet. Oh, that's going to be such a sick tandem between him and Forsberg. Yeah. Like that's, yeah, that's like neither of those guys is a bona fide legit starting goalie that you'd want to ride for a season. But like, if you were to ever have a tandem, like that is a sick tandem. Two guys making like, I don't know. I would, I would say, Forsberg's at two and three quarters. Uh, Talbot's at three point six. Those are like that's kind of a below average money for a starting goalie. So having two of those guys is kind of unreal. And yeah, well, for anyway, Gustafsson, who would have been an abs like not a good backup. Like that's not a reliable backup goalie. That's an AHL goalie. Um, at, at least so far, he's shown that as a twenty four year old, twenty three year old. Um, I think that's mm-hmm. a no brainer and a huge W for the Sens. Um, I think so. Anyway. Uh, any other reaction to that trade that broke literally like as we started the podcast? Well, I, I just, I was just going to say that like, in my opinion, I think Anton Forsberg could be a 25 to 30 win guy in front of the right team or sorry, behind the right team. Mm-hmm. Um, and they just acquired another 30 win guy. Like yeah. they're, I, I, I think like such focus was on, the offense i think from the fan base anyways um ottawa's anyways for this offseason but them them addressing the need of goaltending too is is interesting it's a wrinkle that i did not see coming me neither i thought they were gonna roll into the season with forsberg and gustafson and they weren't really gonna touch it but uh, i'm happy they did because that's a huge that's an awesome trade um if you guys don't have anything else, we'll hop back to the draft as we pr- originally planned. If I can just throw one more thing sure. out. There. Yep. I said it in our group chat, but like I've been on kind of Team Dubis for a while. Mm-hmm. And I think if this Matt Murray thing doesn't go good, it's going to cost him his job. I think so too. Like paying Matt Murray 4.7 in the situation is inexcusable. What? Okay. What do we. Hmm. How do we like? What do you define by it not working? Like, if they lose another, what if what if they lose another round, but Matt Murray's like sick? Or what if they win a round, but Matt Murray gets through the first round with an eight eighty eight or something? I mean, if they're left either still looking for like to fill in in the regular season to get starts out of someone else, or if they need to outscore a team in a best of seven, they can't get wins stolen for them. Yeah, then I think that's a failure. Yeah. I don't know. Like they got to do something else though. There's no way they're going into the season with Matt Murray, who had like, I don't know, four different IR stints this year. And then their backup's going to be Eric Schalgren. Like there's no way they don't do something else, but they spent, they now have so much invested in Matt Murray in terms of cap space. Like what else can they do? And that's just it. Like I love the gamble on Murray, but they should be paying whatever 25% is like one point or whatever. Matt Murray makes almost as much as Mrazek and Campbell did to combine last year. It's crazy. It's and given like teams are so open to just taking salary right now, mm-hmm. like it really should have been easy to get that seventy-five percent retained. For sure, yeah, it definitely should have been, or at least twenty-five from Ottawa, and then fifty percent of the remaining seventy-five. So it would have come out to like whatever that it, would be, like sixty-two and a half percent. Yeah. What's up, Brian? 
I, I was just going to say that in that scenario, Toronto ends up with 37.5%. I, I ran it before the trade. Yeah. Ran. So if that happens, um, like they've, they're only paying him like what, two and a half, probably even less than that. But yeah, anyway, it's around there. Uh, okay, let's hop back to the draft. That was an unforeseen obstacle in this podcast that we did not uh, see coming, even though all three of us are bona fide insiders. Um, so, you want to get the last goalie, kind of big goalie one out of the way with Colorado? Sure. Uh, Colorado acquired uh, Alexander Georgiev. Oh my gosh, we're already 10 minutes left. Okay. Um, Colorado acquired Alexander Georgiev from the Rangers. I do not remember the picks. I'm pretty sure it was two thirds and a fourth. Do we know? Does I thought it was a second and two thirds. But... Second and two thirds. Does anyone want to go verify that or if we even care? No, um, okay. But anyway, it was a trio of picks in the top three rounds, we'll say. Um, Colorado gets their guy. At least they think they did. Uh, they immediately sign him to a three-year contract worth 3.4 per year. Uh, would, would that be 10.2 total? Um, he'll obviously be their starter in a in – a, Probably in a tandem, uh, obviously, Gurgev will get more starts because he's only 26 and not as proven and making a little more money. Um, you didn't seem to like the trade that much. You thought, it, you see, Jack, you seemed to think it was a bit of an overpay from Colorado's perspective. Yeah, and the, the big issue I have with it uh, is when you look at kind of advanced stats, Gurgev struggled with low danger shots. Um, okay. So there's a lot of belief that like, okay, he had a down year, the team in front of him wasn't the best. And if you throw him or throw Colorado in front of him, he's going to be better. And I think that's only really relevant for high danger chances. No matter what team plays in front of you, how good they are defensively, you're still going to face shots. Mm-hmm. And if those low danger shots are what's giving him trouble, that's still a concern. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. I think it was too much. Uh, and I think there are better options out there for them. Do you think it was too much AAV or too much trade or too much both? Both. Okay. What else do you think Colorado could have done? I guess. Well, Cam- you look at like Cam Talbot. Yeah, I don't know if that 75. was. I, I think Cam Talbot became available like yesterday, if that. I think he probably yeah, requested a trade. Yeah, you got to think something happened like overnight. Well, did you guys see the thing that uh, Bill Guerin said in response to the agent saying he's got some shit to figure out? Yeah, that was on yeah. the draft floor. I yeah, think. and so I bet you in the, what has it been, four days since the draft, Cam Talbot's requested a trade. There's no way that Toronto goes and gets Matt Murray and Colorado goes and pays three top three round draft picks and then signs a guy to three times 3.4. Even though Georgiev probably still has some potential – when Cam Talbot's sitting right there um, to be had at 3.6 as a, a guy who went to the All-Star game and has an actual track record. Um, like, I feel like Cam Talbot probably just became available and Ottawa kind of hopped on that. I, I, I can't see, unless Joe Sakic actually preferred Georgiev to Cam Talbot, I just, I can't see Cam Talbot having been available and teams actually knowing about that and knowingly going and making these other moves. The thing is, though, there's still teams looking for goalies. So even if Talbot became available today, like the price still could have been more. It's not like Ottawa's the only team left needing a chair at the goalies. True, but I think Ottawa's the only team that had a, like an NHL goalie to give in return. Sam Sonov's being allowed to walk from Washington. True. Actually, he has yeah, more potential than Gustafson, I'd say. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, forgot about that. Yeah, well, I, I guess, I don't know. It... 
we look at it from Minnesota's perspective, like I do really love it for Ottawa, but they they need some really low contracts to yeah. try to get some value out of moving forward here. And Gustafson is locked into at least, I think, one more year here, and he's on a one-way contract. So that's your guaranteed backup goalie now. You hope, like, he's shown promise. I do think he has potential to be an NHL goaltender. I'm not sure about starter yet, but uh, definitely backup. So if they can get some of that value out of that low contract, I think it could work for them. But I think it's a really opportunistic move for the Sens, and I like it. So uh, last offseason, Dorian signed Gustafson to a two-year deal. Uh, the first year was a two-way. The second year was a one-way. So he's going into the second year of that, and then he's going to be restricted at the end of the year. Um, so obviously uh, Minnesota saves almost $3 million on the cap. They can go use somewhere else now. Um, but uh, they definitely, like, yeah. But I don't, like, that being said, um, obviously Samsonov has more potential than Gustafson, but like, don't you think Samsonov goes and signs for two or three mil? I mean, he's not even getting his qualifying offer. I don't think there's going to be that much. Like I don't. Fuck true. eh? I keep, I don't know. I have this idea of Samsonov that he's this like good young goalie. Well, he was like a former, like a first round pick. Yeah. Like, it feels like he's better than maybe he is, but still. Yeah. But, uh, but no, I wanted to touch on that, like the low danger chance thing, like no team's going to fix that. Yeah. That's so that's kind of my concern. But, uh, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. So back to Georgiev. Um, I don't know. I think Colorado might've cracked the code. If you, if you just have like one of the best assembled teams of the cap era, you don't need a great goalie. Um, and I think Georgiev can be a great goalie still. And I think he's going to have ri- I think he's going to have better numbers than he would on an average team, obviously. And he's going to have a lot better numbers because I don't think the Rangers, like um, they didn't play well in front of guys just looking, was just a God. And that's why he was that good. Um, but I think most goalies in that Rangers team who gave up as many chances and had one of the worst shots ratios in the league, despite winning so many games, uh, that wasn't a very conducive. Re- uh, I don't know if that's a, a word, but uh, that, that environment wasn't helpful in, in Georgiev's development. And I think, uh, I think he has a great year in Colorado. Um, I like the contract three times 3.4 for your starter, whether it's a good starter or not. I think that's fine. Um, I was a little surprised at the draft pick cost, the three different picks, but that's cost of doing business, I guess. So um, I, I don't hate it at all for Colorado. The, the confirmed price for that trade too was uh, two thirds and a fifth. Two thirds and a fifth. Okay. So what? Okay. So that's actually a They're lot both better. over than- them. Yeah, I, I thought it was two thirds and a fourth. I thought it was two thirds and a second. That's actually actually I like that a lot for Colorado. I don't know, like what's a third round pick anymore? Like I don't know. I don't yeah, know. I like I, it. I, I th- yeah, I I really don't hate it. Cause uh, I I kind of switched up a little when I thought because I I trusted Jack knew the pick, so I was like, okay, a second and two. There's your mistake. Yeah, <laughs> there's the mistake. Um, but you got me on when the draft was last week. I was super confident about that and ended up being wrong. So I thought I did. That was so fucking funny. Oh, man, I was so confident. You were so man. confident. I was like, oh, no, like I need to quit the pod. I just fucked up big time. <laughs> um, okay, have we even talked to Brinkat yet? Holy shit. Kind of. Did we? We kind of got I mean, to we, it a little we, bit. Like we did. We're not going back to it, but I'm trying to think of what else. What haven't we talked about yet? Like we haven't even gotten to the draft yet. We haven't I even gotten to the draft I think we said the return and then we didn't really... Well, because we went into the goalies because we talked to Georgiev. 
Yeah, let's just go into the draft. It's good. Okay, so we've got two and a half. Want to switch over? Yeah, we'll switch over. We'll be back in uh, about two seconds for you. All right, let's get into the draft. Uh, big time. A whole lot of stuff happened. Big draft for Habs fans, obviously, because it was in Montreal. Fuck uh, my mock draft. Yeah, not for your mock draft. Your mock draft ended up being pretty tough. But uh, I think hey. I got two, two for thirty-two. The worst I've done in like seven years. Hey, slap me out, and you got your first overall pick wrong for the first time. Yeah, though. I guess I'm not. I think we said on the one before that if I get it right and Bob McKenzie doesn't, I'm better. So, well, I mean, <laughs> well, it was pretty I, humbling. humbling. I was going <laughs> in. Slav, I was. I think I was arguing Slavkovsky just because Bob McKenzie said it. Yeah, you were, I think. And uh, I think I saw a thing that said he's been right every year since, like, 2007 or 2008. So, I guess he keeps the streak going, and Jack's streak is over. Um, so, uh, sorry, not Ottawa. Uh, Montreal goes with Uri Slavkovsky. Uh, I wanted to give this a shout-out. Uh, Kent Hughes' announcement of the pick was probably the most electric pick announcement I've ever witnessed. Do you guys, like, remember it off the top of your head at all? Because I've rewatched it a few times just because it was so cool. I don't. I, mean, I was like so caught up in the moment as a Habs fan. Like I don't even know where you're going with this. I just yeah, no. I'm, the what? the only thing that sticks out in my mind is the crowd reaction. Like I don't really yeah. remember anything he said, but like the crowd just going nuts was awesome. I think it was just like I don't know if it was his like his voice. Like he had a super deep voice, and like he just said from Slovakia or like from the Slovakian national team or something from like. SPS Turku or something like Uri Slavkovsky and it just sounded like it just sounded so cool and the crowd was losing it I just thought it was so electric um and the genuine like element of shock that went through everything like when's the last time a first round pick is or first overall pick has been made in any sport and it's been like oh man like that's crazy like it doesn't happen anymore because there's a hundred insiders in every league that just have everything tweeted out before it even happens and uh, it still seemed like it was pretty split, like 50-50 in terms of Slavkovsky right for who was going first. Um, and it ended up being Slavkovsky. And uh, I think the fact that not everyone really knew that going in, I think a lot of Habs fans were kind of dead set on Shane Wright. Um, I don't know. It just made for like a really awesome uh, draft memory to see, like to, to, to watch. Um, Jack, we'll start with you. Uh, what'd you think? Uh, so I think you were like busy or whatever during it. So it was mostly just Ryan and I messaging back and forth. Yeah. I wasn't able to watch um, it live. Yeah. So I was like genuinely at first, like just kind of like shocked and upset. And then I think I was, I was saying to Ryan, you're going back and forth. Like by the time this pod rolls around on Tuesday, I'll be happy with it. <laughs> like it was very much just shock to me. Um, I was like, like, I'm not a betting man, but like, I would have bet it would be Shane Wright. Like it made too much sense. Right. Um, and obviously like I follow different Hobbs fans account and whatever. And it was maybe a bit of like an echo chamber where it just felt like that was such a guarantee. Um, so the fact that like, he didn't say like from Kingston that at that like second, I was just like, what the fuck? Like I completely like. Yeah you know it's not the guy you think it is. Had he said anyone other than Slavkovsky, like, I would be upset. But now when I look at it, it's like, you know what? It was one of two guys. Everything I've heard from Slavkovsky, like, he was getting booed when he got there because, like, yeah. Montreal is a 
volatile play. So, like, this is before he even was drafted. And then he was and being he has, serenaded after he was picked. Like, yeah, that, that welcome to fucking Montreal. Yeah. Um, nobody said, like, like it's hockey's their passion. It's my passion, too. Like, everything, I think I was maybe too focused on Shane Wright. Everything Slavkovsky has said has been uh, exactly what you want to hear from the guy. Yep. So, no, I'm definitely, I wouldn't say I'm upset with it. It was more definitely shock. What about now, though? Like, not, so not in the moment, four days later, how are you feeling about the pick? Well, and, like, even by the time, like, uh, the Kirby Doc trade rolled around, it's like, okay, we still got a center out of it. And, I mean, Slavkovsky with Suzuki's two-way game and Caulfield kind of making up for the lack of size there. Like, that's a a stellar line, potentially. Um, Yeah. So, I would say I'm all for it. I'm very excited for it. Ryan, did you have any initial thoughts? Yeah, I I loved it. Um, I'm not a... I'm not a draft guy by any means, but by the little YouTube and um, like reading up research I did on like the top guys in the draft, I, I loved what I saw from Slavkovsky. He was always the guy I ended up going back to watching clips over and over again. I just, I loved his game. So um, I kind of wanted him to go first overall. And um, the only reason I didn't really see Montreal going that way is because that they have struggled to find centers in the past and I, I wasn't sure that they were willing to pass up on another one in the draft and have it potentially haunt them again um I wasn't sure they were willing to do that but they did it and then they went out and got Kirby Doc like Jack said and I just overall loved their draft day moves the uh the Kirby Doc trade is definitely what did it for me that's what made me think that uh, draft day was a home run for Montreal um, you still get the young center. Kirby Doc's like 6'4". Um, so you still get that young center with a significant draft pedigree. You get him out of Chicago where he doesn't have to deal with any more bullshit. Um, he's also like injury. It's not like he's been playing 82 yeah, games. Yeah. Like he was hurt at uh, the World Juniors, whatever year that was. Yeah. Um, and now he can play in like an actual decent environment. Um Obviously, the spotlight spotlight will be on him, but it won't be on him as much as it will be on Slavkovsky. Uh, if Slavkovsky plays this year, I'm not I'm not really sure about where he's at in in terms of NHL readiness. Um, and uh, and now Montreal can hope that they've got Suzuki and Doc down the middle for the next ten years. So like they've still got that optimism down the middle, and they've got uh, that potential star player on the wing. And so they come out with the best of both worlds. Whereas if they'd have just taken right. Uh, they probably wouldn't have had the best of both worlds. So um, depending what they would have done at 13, if they'd have drafted. Um, so at two, uh, were you surprised that... Sorry, I- can I... I just want to throw in one more thing there. Sure. Um, and moving out Romanov as well. Like, I love... Do you want to talk Romanov. about that trade now? Well, we already mentioned Dot, so we sure. might as well finish it off. Okay. Um, we should get no, the whole... moving out. Yeah. You okay. want to read it out? I'll then? go get the trade. You say what you're going to say. Okay, moving out Romanov really clears the spot for a guy like Caden Gooley. Um, our left side, I'm not a believer on having your laps on the left being such a big deal, but that's something that is important still to NHL teams, and so that really clears the spot for, a, not that Romanov was old, but it clears the spot for the youth movement to continue on the left side of defense. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, like it was, 
I would definitely say a bit of an overpay for the Islanders as well. Oh yeah. So uh, here's the th- the trade. Um, it was two different trades, but it's essentially a three way trade. Um, Toronto moves Alexander Romanov to the Islanders. RFA Alexander Romanov, you should add, uh, to the Islanders, along with the 98th pick in order to acquire uh, the Islanders' 13th overall pick. And then Montreal packaged 13 and 66 to acquire Kirby Doc. Um, so the net trade for Montreal is that they sent out Romanoff, 98, and 66 for Kirby Doc. Uh, that is a home run in my book. Um, like okay, well, what do you think? Like, where where are you at on Alexander Romanov? So I, again, we were discussing this one. I think Romanov was kind of cast into too big of a role. Yep. And he did very good in that role, but that was out of desperation in Montreal. I think they were trying to force him to be Sergachev. They like they desperately wanted him to be Sergachev. And like you, you saw it too with Victor Mete coming in. Yeah. Like all of a sudden, Mete played with Weber like talk 20 minutes every night. Um, So I think the Islanders are kind of looking at that and saying, he's already a top four defenseman. Maybe he'll be a top two defenseman. Mm -hmm. When in reality, I don't think he's even proven as anything more than like a physical sixth defenseman yet. I think he will be, but he's not yet. No. And they traded 13th, the 13th pick just to get his, like his rights, really. Like he's not. If if I'm not mistaken, I don't want to throw speculation out there. But I think I read he's back in Russia. So. No, he's back now. He's back. Is he back? Okay. Yeah, he was seen in Florida, and people were reporting that he's in Florida, so which is good. That would have been a disaster. Um, but yeah, Ryan, anything on that one? Yeah, um, not really. I, I Jack said most of it. I think it's just another stupid trade by the Islanders. I, oh. I don't really know what they're doing. I. I like, I think Romanov's a decent piece, but you trade away the 13th overall pick when you desperately need some young talent on just a terrible team going nowhere with the most egregious contracts I've seen in my life. Like, I don't know what they're doing. Um, the, the craziest part is that the Islanders, like, so they go in to get Romanov, who is not signed right now. Like, I cannot stress that enough. He does not have a contract. So they have to negotiate with him. If Romanov had a good agent, he'd be like, you guys traded the 13th overall pick for my client. Pay up. And they've got to sign Noah Dobson, and they have no cap space. And they don't have any cap space coming up. And they have bars off their next year. Um, and they're trying to pitch Johnny Hockey to come to town. Yeah, like where's that money coming from? Do you think people are just going to sign up to take on like Matt Martin's contract and Casey Sezikis's contract and this guy's contract? Like they've got so much bad money. Um, I think they're going to finish last in the Metro next year. I think they're going to be terrible. Um, I'm so down on the Islanders. I can't believe it. I think, I think New Jersey's going to do something big this offseason in addition to internal growth and maybe some health. They've already gotten Vanacek. Uh, we won't go into that trade. But, um, yeah, the, the Devils, like, it looks like they're going to try to fix their goaltending. They should get some health. Dougie Hamilton's back. Like, they're going to have some internal development. Luke or Jack Hughes should play a full year. Like, I think they're going to be better than the Islanders. And Columbus is like low key making awesome moves, um, and apparently they, they have some electric young players, and they're all coming up together. Yeah, and and they look like they're gonna try to be in the D market. They were in on McDonough, they didn't get him, but like that speaks to me that they're gonna try to acquire a veteran defenseman to play with probably Wierenski, and so um, or somebody on that blue line. 
And I just, I think Columbus is going to pass the, I think the Islanders are the worst team in that division. Uh, no, second worst Phillies there. Um, but uh, like Philly and the Islanders are going to stink it up in the Metro. I, the Metro is going to take a big step back next year. I think. Yeah, I agree. Um, but anyway, um, Nemec, uh, Simone Nemec goes number two to uh, New Jersey. I was, so as soon as Slavkowski went number one, I had a feeling like I didn't think New Jersey was going to take Shane Wright because they've got he Shear and Hughes down the middle. Um, so I was expecting them to go Yurichek, but I mean, I feel like between Yurichek and Nemec was a coin flip. Um, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that trade. I'm more just kind of letting them know the, the draft order. Jack, do you have any thoughts on number two? I know it was definitely close between Nemec and Yurichek. And obviously I had Nemec at three, um, and again, like I really just didn't see Slavkovsky being gone when the Devils were on. Yep. Uh, if I was looking at the scenario, I think Nemec makes a lot of sense to really shore up that blue line. Yep. As you talked about, they got a goalie who they think is the guy. They're going to make a pitch to Johnny Hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they did stellar. I think it's an awesome fit. I think he'll uh, probably get some games this year. New Jersey's prospect pool is just ridiculous. Um they're crazy. I, I know that uh, I think New Jersey's Ryan's second favorite team right now. So, um, yeah, I, I just the influx of young players, kind of similar to Ottawa's core. Yeah. I feel like I, I don't know. It just every every young player on their team, I feel like, is just a really cool young presence. Yeah, and, and I, I don't I don't know of, how you guys it's feel. A ton of fun to watch. I don't know how you feel on this, but it still feels inevitable that Quinn Hughes is going to come to Jersey too. I think so. I think like so. they'll, they'll have to maybe give something up in a trade, but like he'll be there. I think so too. They're kind of like, you can almost count on that at this point. It looks like uh, eventually sometime down the road. Um, and Arizona stuck with their guy going, this was the surprise for me. I thought maybe they would pivot and go Shane, Wright, But I wasn't surprised. Like, actually I just said I was surprised, but uh, like, it's not shocking that they decided to stick with the guy that I think they were expecting to get all along in Logan Cooley. Um, I, I like the fit. Uh, his, his NHL comp is Braden Point. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think it was just a case of Arizona probably fell in love with a guy. They probably put a lot more time and effort into scouting and, like, into and meetings and recruiting. Well, not recruiting, but meeting with Logan Cooley than they did with anyone else because they figured it'd be right in Slavkovsky 1-2. Um, so they go with their guy with Cooley at 3, and that leaves Shane Wright to fall into Seattle's lap at 4. Um yeah, he goes up onto the stage. He looks a little bit surprised. It, it's kind of awkward, uh, like super awkward. Like I'll, I'll throw the question out there. Do you guys have any issues with how Shane Wright has been handling himself? I don't have any issues with it, but he's just such a, like, he's a weird, he kinda, he's kind of a weird guy, it seems like. Um, he, he reminds me of McDavid in the sense that, like, He's been in the TV spotlights and getting interviews since he was like 14 years old, which is way too young. Yeah. And it's kind of understandable that you become he's, almost defensive. And like, yeah, he seems yeah, he, very tightly wound. Like anytime he talks, he seems very stressed. It's like, I don't know if like, I don't know how to explain that, but like he, he had a, he had an interview on uh, like Blue Jays Central because the Jays were playing Seattle. So he was there and they talked to him for whatever reason. And uh, they were like, how, how did you – like, they asked him about him staring down Montreal. I was like, why are you asking that? Anyway, um, he totally did, by the way. But, um, 
they asked him like, how do you feel about Seattle? And he was like, yeah, it's a great organization, uh, great potential. And I'm just like, this guy has been like giving cookie cutter answers since he was 12. And like, and that, that's the issue. Like, and like he, I, I don't know. He just seems so tightly wound. He sounds stressed out. He, he talks so fast. Like he just doesn't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how to explain it, but I don't, I don't think he's handled himself poorly besides staring down Montreal's table at the draft on the stage. Um, I, I like, it's very confusing to me because people don't like, as you described them, like the cookie cutter answers, the hockey player cliche. Every player. But then when he says, I think I should be number one, people are like, shut the fuck up. That's yeah, problem. that's, that's, that's like, the I, thing. What though. do you want from him? No, the, and I, I, I think I have, like, yeah, they were showing his face at the picks two, three, four. Yeah, he's fucking upset. I don't blame him. Yeah. If you don't think you're the best person in the draft, then you probably shouldn't be drafted. Especially when you've been told that for four years. Yeah, and like... And it switched like up in same, the last two weeks. Like, I, I... Of course he's going to be upset. Like, he's a fucking person. Yeah. I really... I don't have an issue with that. I don't have an issue with his interviews. I don't think it's cocky. I think it's confident. And you can't have it both ways. Like, you can't have personality. And then as soon as someone actually gives you some, get mad at it. Do you guys think yeah, he's... I, I... I don't have any issue with it. Quite the opposite. I hope the NHL just created a joker. Like, I hope he carries this chip with him everywhere he goes and just lights the league on fire. Like, yeah. I, I think that would be electric. Do you guys think he stared down Montreal's bench or his their table? Oh, yeah. 100%, right? It was so, like, blatantly obvious. And then the fact that, like, I don't know if I would have bought into it as much, but, like, Montreal's table was right there. Oh, yeah, they were in order of who had the original picks. Yeah, so they were right there, and he so clearly gave, like, a death stare. And it wasn't even into the camera. His excuse was like, oh, I was just looking in the camera. He wasn't even looking into the camera when he did that. Um, he was clearly looking off to the side. But um, I don't even know if I have a problem with that. I think that's awesome. The NHL has no character, and that's, that's character. Um, yeah, like, like I, I was saying, like, if you don't think – there's a lot of times, like, rookies say, like, oh, I want to be the best to ever play. And people are like, well, shut up. Like, you know, you yeah. shouldn't talk like that. If you're not trying to be the best to ever play, what are you doing? Yeah. But, uh, like, that being said, also being said, I, I have no issues with anything that Shane Wright has said or done or anything. Um, I just – it's more like a beef I have or, a, a, yeah, I guess a beef with, like, the system in that this guy's had the spotlight on him since he was 12 and he was dubbed the next big thing and he got exceptional status and he's been told he's going number one since he was 15, whatever. So he just seems like he has like this, 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 I don't know, I guess obviously he has this hot, his has this hockey player personality. And every time he talks, it seems like he's rushing his answers. He's like going into his brain, trying to pick one of the six things that he's allowed to say. And that's just what it, so I, I don't know. Like it's not, yeah. A personal thing with Shane Wright, I, it's a, I hate the system because it does this to the kids. Yeah, I think I have a good way to like summarize that feeling. Sure. Like it almost feels like he he's been groomed for this, yeah. and now people are using it as a negative against him. Like, yeah, it's so weird. It's weird. It's uh, like it's, yeah. Isaac Howard went um, thirty-one to Tampa, and he had like the white suit and yeah. the USA belt buckle. Like that's killer. I fucking love that. And when he was asked about it, he's like, oh, I'm the best looking guy here, so I might as well be the best dressed. And then fucking... People are, like, upset. And, like, Tampa will teach him not to say that stuff because they're a winning team. Did you see like, what Yager said? Did you see what Yager said? 
No, I haven't. Yeah. Oh my god, Ryan, did you see it? Yeah, it was, it was like NHL, or I don't know if it was NHL or what, but they posted that uh, Isaac Howard said that and what he like what he was wearing, and uh, fucking Yarmir Yager is like, oh, it's a good thing it's not the '80s, or else he would have his head t- t- taken off or something. I'm like, what the fuck? What a dumbass call, man. Like, like what is this? I ah, uh, it's my biggest thing with the NHL. I hate it. I hate it. Ugh. Like, sorry, you had to fucking not get to enjoy it growing up. Like, these kids are having fun. It's so brutal. Um, do you guys have anything else to talk about about the draft? Or, like, I guess, uh, like, we hit all the trades. Do you, like, I don't really think we need to go through the draft order or any more picks. Um, I think the- oh, everyone's seen it by now. Yeah, the top four was kind of the big stuff I wanted to talk about because those were the main talking points. But everything else was pretty normal. There were nothing, uh, nothing else huge happened. Really? Oh, uh, Mrazek trade. Uh, Peter Mrazek got dealt to Chicago along with the 25th pick in exchange for the 39th pick. And uh, were there any other picks? Was there like a third involved or a fourth? Something else in the future, not this year. Um, but yeah, so Montreal, or not Montreal, Toronto gets out of their goalie conundrum um, just to turn around and create another one, it seems like, with Matt Murray. But uh, yeah, they, the they, worst dropped, one. they dropped 13 slots in the draft to get rid of uh, 3.8 million for the next two years owed to Peter Mrazek. And something really interesting that I saw, um, it was hilarious. So Sid Sixero, ever since he left Sportsnet. I can't stand him. He's anymore. gotten so bad. Everything he says is annoying. I think he regrets leaving and he's just trying to stay relevant. Oh, some of the stuff he says. Nobody he... wants to watch his breakfast TV show or whatever the fuck it was. I don't know if either of you have seen the quote, but it was like, Ottawa used their first round pick to acquire Alex Debrinket. Toronto used their first round pick to offload Peter Morazic. And I'm like, bro, like, sure, that's what happened. But do you understand pick value at all? Like, at all. Like, do you understand the value of draft picks? You don't even you don't even need to know pick value at that point. It's just fucking numbers. Like seven is a lot higher than twenty-five. Yeah, and then you're attaching a bad con. Oh, just come on. But uh, something really interesting that I saw. Uh, Ryan, you might have even sent this to me, or maybe I sent it to you. But um, in terms of, I forget what who wrote it or what model it was, but it was a draft pick value, basically a draft pick value model that assigns. like win values to each draft pick and it's like obviously it's like a huge curve down from number one and whatever um but it basically compared the difference in draft pick value between 25 and 38 which is what toronto dropped is the like the equivalent to the difference of those draft picks is a seventh round pick that's how close in value picks are in the late first round and on like even like after 10th overall draft pick value is almost not insignificant, but it's like a lot less than people think. Well, it. it's an exponential decrease. That's the thing. And so, so basically, if you were to, like, obviously this isn't what happened, but on in terms of like net value, according to this model, Toronto basically traded a seventh round pick to get rid of Mrazic by downgrading 13 slots. And again, I want to reiterate, that's not what happened, but that's the matching value in terms of draft pick value, which I thought was really interesting. And, like, Matt Murray stuff aside, I did really like that play to make that downgrade. Yeah. Um, it was one, of, one of you guys sent it in the group, and it was the ideology that, like, oh, like, 32nd, that's basically a second-round pick. Like, that's not a first. Yeah. And then 33rd, like, that's basically a first-round pick. <laughs> yeah. 
that's sick like it was kind of yeah. it really played to that i thought that was actually a really unique and good way to get out of Mrazic cap hit especially yeah. compared to what edmonton paid a couple minutes later to get rid of cassian oh they paid so much to do that yeah so like kudos to dubis for that one but. yeah um you guys want to run through a couple contracts that have been signed yeah. So we've got uh, Adrian Kempe re-signing in LA, four years, twenty-two million for five and a half a year. Uh, he had a really good year with LA. I really like that contract. LA looks really good. I, I saw love some, LA's build so much. I saw some chatter about. Um, do you guys remember if Kopitar had two years left or three years left? Two, I think. Okay. And then Dowdy has like five. And he has oh, I know where you're going. You know, I'm going. There's been some chatter in Leafs land about how they're worried that Matthews could go to LA when he's a free agent because LA is going to have a shitload of money coming off the books in two years. And like, who wouldn't? They're going to be a good team. They're going to be good. Fucking Los Angeles. Close to his home. Like, yeah. oh, as close as you can get without playing at ASU. Oh, man. Like, that'd be crazy. I could see it. I can picture it too. It's one of those ones where you. It, honestly, it, it makes a lot of sense. It does. And like, oh, it makes me so happy that, like, obviously you want the stars to stay, but like, it's always fun when superstars move teams. It makes it more fun and interesting um man it's so funny that Leafs fans are already stressed out about Matthews and still two years away I mean they've been stressed since the day they drafted him that he would go to Arizona <laughs> true that's the thing yeah yeah they, they drafted him knowing they had eight years of control and they were immediately yeah. stressed about when he was going to go to Arizona um <laughs> uh Philip Forsberg resigns in Nashville eight years 68 million I love this signing for Nashville I'm really happy it got done uh, especially after the McDonough trade, because it looks like they obviously want to keep on winning. And then they go draft Joaquin Kemmel, who I think is a great prospect and was a, a very, very good value at 17. At I think. 17, like, yeah. He was in a lot of top 10s. Yeah. Um, I, you look yeah. back, Eli Tolvanen didn't really work out too much yet for them, but he's like a better version of that. Yeah. Yeah. Kem- Kemmel was my uh, my top pick for the Sens at seven if they kept the pick. Me too. And so... Uh, yeah, that was definitely big value at 17, and it was it just punctuated the night. I don't know if it was the same night, but to keep Forsberg around eight years, um, and he was 27. He was me hitting the free agency at 27 years old, which is kind of crazy. You don't see that as very often anymore um, for guys who sign long-term contracts after uh, their ELCs. Excuse me. Um, what else did we have? So Forsberg eight- – Put that in the fucking intro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna just run over that. Don't try and lost that. that was you just burped brutal. in the middle of you, like, a podcast. Put the mic right by your mouth. Dude. It's like the right height. I tried to cover it. Don't you know how to fucking mute? It just happened. I didn't think it'd be that bad. Oh my god. That's what our intro is gonna be. You, I'm gonna edit it, and it's gonna be you burping to the beat of our song. <laughs> Um, Valerian Nachushkin signed eight year extension worth 49 mil comes out to six and 6.125 per year stay in out in Colorado. It came in a, excuse me. It came in a little higher than uh, I thought it would on an eight year deal. Um, I was thinking maybe like five and a half for Nachushkin to resign on an eight year deal, but, uh, I think he's like 26. So like, I don't know. I think this is a great contract. I think uh, it's a great contract, and I would kind of go the other way. It was a bit cheaper than I was expecting. Really? Okay. Especially if you think if he hits the open market, yeah. someone would throw eight at him. Easy. 
Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think maybe I was just giving Colorado a little bit of the benefit of the doubt just because their AAVs are so low. I was thinking maybe if he were to stick around, it'd be on a lower, lower cap hit. But uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a great contract. I think anything under like six and a half or seven would have been perfect, would have been really good for him. Maybe not in Colorado if he was at seven, because then all of a sudden he's making the same amount as their captain. But um, good contract nonetheless. Uh, he was a monster in the playoffs in that top six. Well, it's crazy. Dallas bought him out two years ago. And didn't he go back to Russia? Uh, or either maybe before they bought him out. I know like he was here and left. He couldn't carve out a role. Yeah, he had a tough start. And I remember... Uh, and he didn't have a big contract in, in Dallas either. Like, I want to say his contract was, like, under two mil. Uh, and they bought him out. Yeah, he did. Oh, uh, no. He was in Dallas. Put up 29 points in 79 games. In 2015-16, went to Russia for two years. So, yeah, Derek. And then came back to, for Dallas for a year. Scored zero goals in 57 games. Ten assists. And then uh, was bought out. Signed with Colorado. Uh, and now has a $49 million contract. So, uh, yeah, that's a pretty big one. Um, who else? Oh, okay. So now we can get to stuff that's happening a little more recently. Uh, looks like Evgeny Malkin's going to hit the market. Um, but just to sort of, which is kind of crazy. Um, but in, in my opinion, uh, that, well, maybe not in my opinion, but it looked like, like Pittsburgh signed Ricard Raquel to a six-year contract. Uh, yeah. Five mil a year. Like, how old is they he? They will give anyone term but Malkin. Yeah, that's what, like they gave Latang. Latang's 35 and they gave him six years. Ricard Raquel uh, is 29. They gave him six years. And Malkin wants, what, four years and they're not willing to give it to him? Like, what are we doing here, Pittsburgh? Like, you guys are locked into this core. You guys aren't like going to be able to get out of this core in the next five or six years. Why not just give Malkin that money? I don't get it. And like, if you're going to give Latang that, which obviously that's going to be, he's what, like 41 when it ends, like that's going to be a tough contract at the end. Yeah. Like why not, if you're going to do it for one of the trio legends that are up, why not do it for both? I don't get it. Like Ricard Raquel's last three seasons, four seasons, 41 points in 70 games, 28 points in 52 games, 42 and 65, 43 and 69. Like he's not a star. Like, he's, he's a middle six guy. Maybe top six on a team with no depth like Pittsburgh. But going and giving him that contract at 29 years old, like six years for a 29-year-old, when you've got your franchise icon, a top five player in franchise history sitting there who wants four years, and they're just like, nope, but we're going to go get, get the, give this guy that we, we, we traded for three months ago, we're going to go give him a six-year deal. Like, oh. And this guy who's been with you for this trio for 17 years, he gets six too. It's a joke. Like, fuck you in yeah. particular. Yeah. It's like, it's not like they did it to both and they're actually trying to get younger. Oh, it's just disgusting. I, I know he's not actually the J- GM, but, uh, um, fuck, who was I just going to say? Brian Burke. Yeah. Um, Brian Burke. Sorry, that was the name. <laughs> but he's, uh, got to think he's had. Like, do you think he's calling any shots there? Or do you think it's all Hextall? I think it's Hextall. Yeah. I don't know their respective uh, role, like their job. I think, roles, but I think, yeah, it's I think Hextall and I think Burke is like president of hockey. Yeah. Okay. 
Hmm. Super weird. Um, where do you guys think Malkin's going? What do you think? I, I still kind of expect it'll get back to Pittsburgh. Hear back me Pittsburgh? Hear me out. What about what about the Avalanche? Fuck you. That was gonna Patrick, be my guess. Patrick Kane to the Avalanche has been rumored too. Really? Both got oh man, right. I right, I was gonna guess the Avalanche. <laughs> <laughs> um Oh, can you imagine if Colorado sends Chicago a bunch of stuff and gets Patrick Kane one year, 50% retained? That would be unreal. Oh, my God. <laughs> Anybody Apparently, acquiring Kane one the year. The other one I read is that Kane wants to go to the Rangers to be with Panarin again. I saw that, too. Oh. <laughs> I, how can the Rangers do that? They have, like, no space. Um, But, like, if you think, like, just not ignoring the money, like, Capo Caco's there and like yeah go have a fresh start yeah trade Capo Caco and some picks for left or for Patrick one year of Patrick Kane I do that if I do that I do that if I'm Rangers or if I'm Blackhawks I like it both ways yeah I want I want a first and Caco does a first and Caco get that done that gets it done for me I think yeah well what they've been setting prices at I think it's yeah the Debrinkat trade like with that with that deal you gotta and, think the rangers are like we're not giving you more than that you didn't get that for more than your 24 year old best player well not yeah, best and, player, but. and just walking away from strom and kuba league oh like, my god oh we didn't even get to that part we haven't even talked yeah. rfas um i guess we'll we can talk about that next week when free agency happens and we look at a little bit more clarity but uh letting dylan strom walk is crazy letting dominic kuba league walk is crazy like how do you not give these guys a qualifying offer and then just trade them on like one year deals or something? And it's not like they're against the cap trying to no. squeeze money. Like, they need to hit the fucking floor. Oh, <laughs> crazy. You know what the, you know what the, one of the funniest parts about, um, well, Chicago was, was that they traded to Brinkat who makes 6.4. Oh, the Chicago, Chicago's big, plan was to weaponize their cap space and like within hours of Debrinkat being dealt uh Duncan Keith retires and now Chicago has a five and a half million dollar cap recapture that they can't spend so basically cancels out the cap space that they got in exchange for trading Debrinkat and I, I I this is just purely speculation making the connection but I've read that Keith like was considering not retiring because he didn't want to hurt Chicago and then, like, at the same time, I know Kane is, like, pissed. Like, there is a quote that, like, everyone he's enjoyed playing with has been traded. Yeah. So I'd be very curious if they were, like, still talking. He was like, do it, man. You imagine if Patrick Kane's like, Keith, retire right now. Like, <laughs> the brain cat got traded, and Kane was like, you know what? Fuck you. Calls him up. He's like, do it. Yeah, do it. <laughs> <laughs> Make the call, Duncan. Um, right um, so, I mean, I think Chicago, like Patrick Kane's definitely going to get traded here. I think, um, Paves just, too. it just seems like Chicago's trying to force them to request the trade instead of, so for the, for the, uh, for the, what, what's the word? Um, PR. the PR. Yeah. Um, they're trying to make it so it's like, Hey, go to PR shit. Like, oh they're, yeah. They're great <laughs> at it. That, that's what it is. They're trying they have to, such a good yeah. reputation. They don't want to risk losing that. They're trying to make it so that they can say to their fan base, Hey, they requested the trade. We just, we, you know, like we, we just, were the nice guys. We were giving them what they wanted. We just traded our, uh, our, our, all of our young players force our older players to request a trade, but we, we didn't, we didn't, uh, we didn't throw the first punch, but uh, like they're going to be worse than Montreal was this past year. 
It's going to be rough. It's going to be bad. And uh, Seth Jones has got that nice shiny new contract. And it's still, it hasn't, it starts tomorrow at noon. Yeah. (laughs) It's so good. Oh man. I'm so happy the Hawks are that bad. Oh, it's so good. Oh, they deserve it so much. Um, Okay. We got three minutes left. What else do we got to get to? Did we miss anything? I feel like we hit most of the stuff we wanted to get to. Yeah, I think we did good. Yeah. Anything else? Do we want to talk Sens for another three minutes? Yeah. Do we want to talk Giroux for a second? (laughs) Okay. Let's let's do a couple. Let's do some. uh, Let's do some quick predictions. Let's do. Let's just rattle off some predictions. No reasoning. Nothing. Let me just get the list of free agents. Um, Ryan, if you want to just throw a name out there, and we can kind of just roll through. Well, yeah, let's just start okay. with Giroud. I got, a, I got a list here. I got a list here. This is the top seven UFAs. Okay. Malkin, where's he going? Back to Pitt. Okay, Ryan? I'll change my answer. New Jersey. Oh. Okay. That'd be so weird. Apparently, Carolina's in on him, too. That's a weird one, too, just because they're rivals. Yeah, that's that would be weird. Um, I'm going... Avs is just a pipe dream. I've seen nothing about that. I just wanted to guess that. I'm going to go Avs because I was I was happy thinking of that. Um, uh, Johnny Goudreau. New Jersey. Philly, just because they're going to throw a stupid amount of money at them. They don't have any money. I think what Philly's going to do is they're going to figure it away. They're going to trade. They're going to trade. Johnny Goudreau will die the first shot he has to block in practice for torch. <laughs> you know what's so funny, though? Uh, Philly. Goes and buys out Lindblom, saves three million on the cap, brings in D'Angelo for five mil for absolutely no reason, keeps Ristolainen on like a big ass contract that he doesn't deserve a fifth of, and now doesn't have enough money to sign Johnny Goudreau because of those three, yeah. uh, because of those three moves. And uh, don't worry, they have Kevin Hayes locked up. And John, James Van Riems like they're gonna go throw like. A bunch of draft picks and prospects at Seattle to take on James Van Riemsdyk's number. They're going to go, like, give up a bunch of uh, assets to get rid of a different guy, and then they're going to throw a shit ton of money at Goudreau. Okay, uh, Goudreau, I'm going to say I'm going to say, I'm going to say he stays in Calgary. Uh, Kadri. Seattle's going to do something stupid there, I think. They're going to give him, like, nine. He's going to be 32 at the start of the year. Yeah, but Seattle's just desperate no, to I know. Vegas. I'm going to say I'm going to say Detroit. I see. I've seen that rumor a bit, and I'm like, no way, guys. That's stupid. I don't think so, but I have no clue. Okay. Next. <laughs> Drew. Can't just pop Ottawa. Some light Ottawa. 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 Play the intro music. Ottawa, please, please. <laughs> Jack. Uh, Colorado. Okay. Uh, Jack Campbell. Edmonton. Edmonton. <laughs> Kemper. Washington. 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 Okay, cool. <laughs> Right, you gotta give one for Kadri. What the fuck? Um, <laughs> fucking lightning round. No. Play the death. outro. Play the outro. Los Angeles. Play the outro. Los, Los, Angeles. <laughs> Los Angeles for Kadri to ruin their chances at Austin Matthews. This has been episode nineteen. See you next week.